The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What makes me angry is, is misinformation. And so I just want to correct that. Because it should be that truth and science is the norm. And and so it's weird to be like, why, why, why is truth so important? And so it, that it is important to me to, to correct the record, to get the record straight. Welcome to The Women, a production of iHeartRadio and myself, Rose Reed. Today on the show, we're speaking to Wendy Zuckerman, the science journalist and podcast host of Science Versus. Science Versus takes things that are in the zeitgeist and, and puts them under a scientific lens and does it with humor and joy. And there is no issue too small or too big that we will tackle. Wendy pits facts against almost anything. Big issues like climate change, fracking, and nuclear energy. And she'll take on fads like diets and cleanses. I've collaborated with Wendy on a few episodes. Bigfoot, True Love, Online Dating. Science Versus helps me stay up to date on the most relevant science news and always guarantees fun, humor, and playfulness along the way. We've got ocean all around us. We can look down and see little... Is that a dolphin? Oh, that was a little dolphin, yeah. Oh, whoa! Yep, we're pitting facts against our future. Over the past few months, Wendy has pivoted away from the topics that she had planned for this eighth season of Science Versus to do real-time reporting on the coronavirus. She interviewed Anthony Fauci and experts from around the world starting back in January. She's been asking questions about asymptomatic carriers, the effectiveness of ibuprofen and chloroquine, researching if you can get COVID twice, and asking top scientists what we can expect and when will this end. Hi, I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. As this COVID-19 pandemic rages on, we at Science Versus have been keeping an eye on all the treatments that doctors are trying around the world. Wendy started Science Versus five years ago at Australia Broadcast Corporation, known as ABC. And she joined the Brooklyn-based podcast company that I was working at, Gimlet Media, in 2016. I met Wendy when we were assigned to share a desk, and since then we've become really close. She's the kind of friend I can call for a 15-second laugh or a 30-minute crying session. And she'll drop almost anything to just gab or grab a glass of champagne. Hello? Wendy? Hello! Is that you, host of Science Versus? It is me, Rosie. Is that you, host of The Women? I wanted to do a quick catch-up with Wendy over the phone and talk about her recent coronavirus coverage. I I cannot believe it. And, you, you know, I, I just can't believe how much that this country and I guess, you know, everywhere, how much their relationship to science and science journalism has changed between us doing that interview, you know, a couple of months ago and now. It's like there is, you know, I feel like a couple of months ago, 
we were fighting so hard to get people to be excited about facts and science and what it can provide. And now it's, it's just innate. Like people just want to know, what does the science know? Why doesn't science know it now? It's, it's like, it's, you know, even though there is so much misinformation out there, of course, like at its heart, people do want to know the facts and they want it to come from science. And so it's, I just, well, I just can't believe, I I wonder what on earth I told you several months ago and whether it will feel like it was, like it's even relevant right now. I don't know. (laughs) Is there anything else you want to say before people, um, before people meet you in this interview that we've recorded in a studio when we were sitting so close to each other? Oh, just that I hope, um, I hope everyone's doing okay. Before we sat down in the studio, I had Wendy's family send me voice memos of their favorite Wendy memory. Because for this interview, I wanted to take the opportunity as a friend and a huge fan of her show to better understand the driving force behind her quest for truth, both in spirit and in the makings of Science Verses. We can open these beers? Right, here we go. Yeah. Let's get started. How how do you choose what goes on Science Verses? Because you'll do anything from the coronavirus to ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know right. if you forgot about that one. <laughs> I didn't. Ghosts is weirdly popular. Yeah, we've done ancient aliens, fasting diets, alongside abortion. Um, not all in the same episode. Uh, but, yeah, I think we, we have a general equation of when people are pitching on the show. So it has to be something that's important to people, that people are thinking about. The answer has to be surprising to people's questions. So I wanted to, to show people that science can be fun. But also it's my job. So like as in, and I don't I don't mean like it's my job to make science fun. I mean like it's literally I spend all, all my days making this show. So I don't want to make a boring show. Like, I have to amuse myself and my team somehow. And and so how how could I not just make dumb jokes all the way through? So here are just some puns that you have in your in your titles that I love. Plastics, the final straw. Mm. Alcohol, a poor decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fasting diets. What's the skinny? <laughs> These are not all mine. Okay. These are not all mine. Sleep. All aboard the snooze cruise. <laughs> Tell me that's not yours. That's not mine. That's actually not mine. <laughs> so from from the counting that I did, which was rough, but I think that you're almost, you're over 90 episodes. Wow. Do you feel like your job with Science Versus is to reach people who already love science and want to be prepared with the facts? Or do you feel like your job is also to reach people who are incredulous and do have these questions? I mean, I don't have such delusions of grandeur that I'm out there changing minds, changing hearts and minds. Um, but on the other hand, I think I have enough objective data to suggest that every now and then we do. We've had emails about our abortion episode from people saying, you know, and, and we didn't take us, we didn't take a side. We, we're not a philosophical or religious show, so it was more just like, you know, what are the real risks? Um, you know, and then what can the fetus actually feel? There's questions around that. 
as best as science can tell, at the various points that a woman might have an abortion. Um, And we had emails from both sides of the aisle saying, oh, wow, you know, I didn't know that. And while I, you know, I still feel a gut feeling about this, like I did appreciate that. You know, I, I didn't know a woman's risk of depression doesn't go up after an abortion. No, I thought it did. Um, thank you for that. For that. Um, and so, you know, and the fact that, that one of the top pitched episodes of a few seasons ago was essential oils tells me that people who listen to Sides Versus also want to know if essential oils are, are real. So, <laughs> you know, which I... Right. And which I, which I love. I love. That's so wonderful that that that, that happens. I mean, because we all, we all want to be happy and smell like lavender. So, you know. <laughs> like, how could a smell have an effect on your brain? And here's one way Mark thinks that it could work. When you inhale chemicals, they go into your nose, into your lungs, and from there they can go into your bloodstream and then up into your noggin. But if you're a chemical, getting into the brain is actually pretty tough. One of the things that I've been thinking about, Science Versus is such a big show. So many people listen to it loyally. And now, I mean, some people could say that we live in a, quote, like, post-truth era. Do you feel that your relationship to the show has changed at all in your quest for truth? When I started the show people weren't saying fake news. You know what I mean? Like it was five years ago and it was really the beginning of that era, that quote-unquote post-truth era. It was like we started to hear grumblings of people saying, no one trusts science anymore, everyone's their own expert. You know, I feel like five years ago was really when we started to hear that, that sort of stuff. And now it's just front and center and it's and it's with everything, and it's it's really, it, in as the show has grown, that idea of everyone being their own expert and you know, Professor Jane, whatnot, you know, you what do you know? You've just studied this for twenty years in your ivory tower. Well, I've got a gut feeling over here. Um, that has really skyrocketed, and so it has made the show. I don't know, I was going to say feel more important. That's a little wanky. But it has driven me to keep doing it. You know, it's it's a very easy motivator. But there are topics that we're doing this season that it makes me kind of sad that we have to do. Like what? Well, I mean, the one I'm thinking of is sunscreen. (laughs) You know, there's just... So much misinformation out there, and now people are afraid of wearing sunscreen. And I'm like, yeah, the science is a little more complicated than what we've been told, but don't be afraid of wearing sunscreen. It's so sad. But I mean, I'm not blaming people because it's hard, you know, it's literally my job to read the science on things, it's not other people's job. So that you just kind of like, I understand being in the way everyone's super busy and you just kind of hear things in the wind from your friends who you trust and you're like, oh, that sounds, that sounds right. Yeah, that is kind of getting, it's probably getting in my skin, getting in my blood. That sounds bad. Um, so again, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just like, wow, this is really the world that, that we've 
we now live in, where these things that, I don't know. And in some ways it's good, I get that. You know, in some ways it's good that everyone's, you know, that we're questioning things. But are we questioning the right things? You know, if you're going to be the person that's critical and, and like, you know, you're wondering about the world, you know, why aren't you wondering why we don't have action on climate change? You know, why put your energy there. Put your angry blogs there. Don't put them on sunscreen. I um, I asked one of your siblings for a Wendy memory. <sighs> and I, because I think one of the things that I want to understand about um, why you do this show and why you do it the way you do it and how you approach science, before we get a little bit more into, you know, how you interview people and like kind of your road to journalism, I just thought we would give some of our women listeners a little taste of little Wendy. <laughs> This comes from Wendy's sister, Debbie, who sent me a voice memo from Australia. Uh, This is, I'm Debbie Zuckerman. I'm Wendy's sister. Um, When we were in primary school, uh, there was one summer where um, our brother and I and Wendy were, we had like an ongoing competition, like throughout the whole summer. And we do all these different activities every day. We'd have drawing competitions and you know, cartwheel competitions and play games and whatever. And, you know, Ashley and I won most of the time. <laughs> and um, and Wendy, and we'd always be like, no offence, but our drawing is better. Uh, no offence, but our cartwheel is better. Um, and Wendy always took it on the chin. And I think that has served her well, you know, because many years later, when she decided to give herself one year to be a successful journalist, <laughs> she just kept submitting pitches to newspapers and magazines and publications and within a year she was earning money as a journalist like straight out of uni so you know didn't she doesn't take rejection too hard (laughs) wow (laughs) i remember that so So what do you think about that you don't take rejection too hard do you think that that has gone into being a science journalist yeah, that's so funny. Because I used to, when I was just starting out, I used to pitch a lot of freelance articles. I would rarely hear anything back, and so I would just keep going. I was shameless. Um, and not hearing back was annoying. It was bad, but it was never so disappointing that I would have stopped. And then uh, when I was at uni, I did start pitching stories because I thought, why not, mm-hmm. um, to newspapers and stuff like that. And I started off pitching political stories. And I was not even particularly knowledgeable about politics. I was just having my awakening. So I would send these pitches that were somewhat like, oh, dear editor, did you know about capitalism? You know, it wasn't exactly that, but it was basically that. It was mm-hmm. like, did you know that there is inequality in this world and I can write about it for you. My name's Wendy Zuckerman and no one ever got back to me, thank goodness. (laughs) Thank goodness. And then I started pitching science stories because I realised that was a bit of a niche. And the moment I started pitching science stories, I started getting answers back. Oh, this sounds interesting. Yeah, why don't you write it? I remember the first time I got that back, I was like, oh, why, yes, I will. (gasps) I'd never written an article before for a publication in my life. And I was like, why, yes, I will write this article because I pitched the story and now I will do this thing. And that's and that's how it started. So once I started freelancing at uni, 
for for like the big Australian newspaper. Then when I finally graduated, I gave myself a year, as my sister said, a year. And I said, if I can do this by the end of the year, I'll, I'll, I'll give science journalism a real go. And if I can't, then I'll go be a lawyer because that's what I should probably do. And how did you get the idea to make a, a, an audio show, a podcast or a new radio show for science? So I was, it was really luck. Uh, I, while I was at the ABC, I was hustling. I had a job as a researcher for the science television show. But at the same time, I was doing radio interviews every time something broke in science science news, you know, a new marsupial was discovered or some cool space thing happened. They'd be like, Wendy, tell us about it. Um, and then at around kind of, I guess, 2015, podcast, Australia started getting into podcasts and the ABC was like, we're going to make podcasts. They were making radio. So it wasn't a far stretch, but it was the idea of making something for the internet first and not for radio was big. And and they had done some market research that said that Australian audiences loved science radio. So they were like, chances are they'll love science podcasting. And because I had done these interviews in the past, um, the woman who was heading up the podcasting unit, Caitlin Sorry, she said, hey, Wendy, you got any ideas? And then we met for coffee and you know this part of the story, but around the same time that she had said, have you got any ideas? Like Gwyneth Paltrow's star was rising as a health guru. So until that time, she was our friend from Sliding Doors. But then all of a sudden she was like, you know what would be great? If you steam cleaned your vagina. And it was this really weird time where... Every- Don't tell me that's a bad idea. <laughs> I would never steam clean my vagina. Anyway, But people were like, should we? Is this crazy? Because she's an actress. And that, and that's different than just being at the far end of the shower? I guess it was. Okay, I just want to know. She, I think she had a device in mind. Oh. I forget the details of what was required, but I know that... It's too steamy of a memory. <laughs> I was trying to work something there. Nice. I'm going to keep workshopping. Yeah. Now. Okay. Um, and so the initial idea for the show was Sides versus Gwyneth Paltrow. Um but it was basically just gonna just use things that are in the zeitgeist and and actually debunk them or un, if it's I don't know what's the opposite of debunk is it bunk but that sounds wrong champion champion so or champion but them. you know it's funny with science when things are right they're just that's like good like they don't get a gold star for being like accurate no it's true it's like the goalie like you only lose points when the ball goes through. <laughs> Um, anyone who listens to your show, whether you're talking about asteroids, whether you're talking about the coronavirus, um, or steam cleaning the vagina, I just thought that maybe we could get back in our little time machine and see, like, connect the dots of how little Wendy would love to do that. So, like, boop, 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 boop. This is a clip from Wendy's mom, Ingrid. Ingrid has a nickname for Wendy, which is Pui. When the children were little, we used to go skiing. For a short while. Oh, I know this time. But little Puyi hated skiing. <laughs> That's my nickname. He's an Akui. So in order for her not to ruin the trip for everybody, uh, we decided to bribe her. With <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to make sure this sticks, we decided to make a video contract with Wendy. 
So during the video contract, we Wendy negotiated really, really hard for how, how many strawberry shortcake dolls she would uh, get for every ski run she would do without complaint. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I negotiated the contract and Moshe was filming. That's my dad. So at some point, Moshe <laughs> dared intervene oh, no. and make a suggestion. And Wendy just turned on him and said, you stay out of this. You are not in this contract. Um, I'm not sure apropos what this story is about, but uh, Pui was very, very, very cute and a good negotiator. <laughs> so there. <laughs> It's funny to me. It makes me think that you were really in like adult world right away. Oh, no, I I actually think I stayed in kid world for for a long time and and possibly still am in kid world. You know, I I, I think I, I definitely have Peter Pan syndrome, which for a long time I thought was because of my namesake. You know, but I, you know, when I started getting boobs, I would, I would tape them. I didn't really. Yeah, yeah. Like I really hated the idea of growing up and having responsibilities. I thought there was nothing good about any of it. Do you have a memory that you know you fell in love with the physical world, or that you knew that you had a this childlike appreciation for the physical world? You know, it's it's funny. Actually, as a kid, it, I really was not that interested in science at all. And I I feel like, you know, part of the reason that I didn't want to be a lawyer wasn't just because I thought a lot of the kids who studied it were wankers. That was part of it. But more important, it was that it made me analytical rather than curious. And I didn't think I could be happy if all day, every day, I was there finding holes in things. Whereas having a career in science journalism has meant that every day I ask, why is this? Is this really true? What is that? And it kind of annoys me when we, we have this idea of children in society that they're the ones that are like, look, mama, look, papa, it's a flower. And all the adults are like, oh, little girl, I am busy. And, and for me, I just don't think that's true at all. I think, you know, I, I was way more of a knock when I was little than I am now. And I'm, I'm much more joyful and, and open and excited about the world than I ever was. Wendy follows that curiosity, moving science verses from down under to the Big Apple. That's after the break. Wendy moved from Sydney and the Australia Broadcasting Corporation to Gimlet Media in New York in 2016. And since I've known her, I think she still has the same amount of utensils in her kitchen, enough for two maybe. She's the kind of person who's more interested in her work than in home decor. And last year, Gimlet Media, the podcast company created by Alex Bloomberg, was acquired by Spotify. As Wendy's show has grown, she's been focused on doing more ambitious and controversial episodes of Science Versus, traveling across the country to talk to experts about hot topic issues like gentrification and healthcare, gun control, and race. 
When it comes to race, there are lots of opinions. But then, there's science. Yeah, this is actually an area science has messed up for a long time. We'll tell you about that too. How has it been compared to your expectation? It's been four years. It's been four years. I'm now in a really good place about the sh- about the show, but it's taken a it's taken four years to kind of get there. I think it's hard for anyone sort of starting something fresh. What, once I knew I was coming to New York, and once I really started researching about Gimlet, and then I realized like, oh, sh- this is a really big deal. You know, pe- people in Australia were saying things like, you know, oh, when you go there, like everyone's gonna be like, who's this girl? You know, like someone told that to me and it really stuck in my head because I was like, ah, oh, they're going to be saying that about me. Um, and and then, you know, when I was flying to, you know, L.A. and then JFK, like I really thought it was going to be like, oh, Wendy's here, Wendy's arrived. You know, New York was basically going to stop. You know, the Empire State Building was going to have my name on it. Um, you know, they were going to somehow work out the light situation, so it would just be like, WZ. You know, Ira Glass was going to be like, you finally arrived. Alex Bloomberg was going to be like, I take off my hat, and here it is. And like a, you. like a Broadway montage of like a flash dance at when you come to your first exactly, day of work. Exactly, exactly. And then I got there, and it was not like that at all. Um, who are you? Oh, Wendy's here. Oh, great. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Uh, we don't have any, I guess you could sit here next to this. A woman called Rose. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, that'll that'll work. They they were ex- excited that I was there, obviously, but um, but uh, you know, no one in New York gave a that I was there. I was just another podcaster, um, and so it did take a while to like temper those expectations, and then and then once I was like, oh, okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> She'll be waiting at the door. We won't be lonely anymore since Wendy. Lovely Wendy's here to stay. Given your experience working in Science Versus for almost 100 episodes (laughs) for five years, and really more broadly as a science journalist, do you think it's important and how can you explain it why representation in science is so vital? I mean, without representation, you can get some really crappy science that leaves a legacy for a very long time. And there's two very, of I mean, the field of quote-unquote evolutionary psychology could literally suck my ovaries. Like, that field is basically the field that told you, you know, oh, women uh, really um, can't do maths because they were all day picking berries while the men were hunting and having to count the steps to the tiger. So these theories just, like, hang around and they get into the scientific literature and they never leave. And there's no... Like, like for, for some of these theories, the, the, the actual objective evidence is so weak and it just gets repeated and repeated and repeated. So that's not to say that there are no differences between men and women. That's not to say it at all. 
But just you look back at the literature of all the differences we've been taught, it's so obvious that it was written by men. But you're also speaking to the danger of confirmation bias within science. And if there is not a lot of representation, then that doesn't get challenged and that the science isn't that good and maybe the questions we ask aren't as great. That's exactly it. And until you have diverse people in science, until you have women, until you have more people of color, to just be like, well, wait a sec, you know, let's start with that doesn't reflect my experience. So I find it a little bit hard to believe, but that's anecdotal. So let's actually look at the data properly. That's where we really run into trouble. This is from Wendy's older brother, Ashley. Hey, Rose. Sorry, I'm a little late. Of course he's late. I guess I've just been thinking about how simply Wendy lives her life. (laughs) She puts a lot of stock in friends and family and work. And um, she doesn't care so much about stuff and creature comforts and luxuries. And... I, I don't mean to make that sound like a noble thing. I think if you took any friend who had a healthy relationship to stuff, then uh, took away like 90% of that stuff, that's where we're at with Wendy. It is almost pathological. But I think there is a line to be drawn between that, how she lives her life, and the career that she has made for herself that she sorts the wheat from the chaff in everything. She looks for what's true and what's real and what matters and separates it from uh, what isn't and what doesn't. Um, Yeah, that's Wendy. (laughs) Do you think of yourself as a sifter? Um, I definitely don't like a lot of crap in my life. That is true. That is true. That is, and it's true for everything. I, I do not um, have crappy people in my life. I do not have, like, lots of things in my house. Coming up, a little game of predator and prey, and the secret behind Wendy Zuckerman's signature dance moves. That's after the break. So in our lightning round... We go light after we go deep. Yeah. Truth or truth? Favorite family member? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In a few sentences, how did we become friends? My feet were very cold and you gave me socks. (laughs) At work. At work. What's one rule you've learned about New York? It's okay to yell. Um, The most rewarding science field trip you've done for Science Versus? Okay, uh, going into a nuclear reactor. If you could come back as an animal, what would it be? Do you know, I play this game sometimes, would you rather be predator or prey? And for all my life, I was like, obviously predator. But no, because it's such a pain in the ass and they get so hungry. It's a hard job. It's a hard job. Grass is just there. Grass is there. It's just hanging around. And if you've got that herd, the chance that they're going to peck you off... Yeah, I'm thinking, I was going to say buffalo. Are they doing all right these days? They're doing good. Yeah, buffalo. Um, If I could come back with you as an animal, (laughs) what would I be? (laughs) I was going to say, what about the little bird that's on the buffalo's back? (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Um, If you had only one song to dance to for the rest of your life, what would it be? I want to dance with somebody. By Whitney Houston? Yeah. The one and only. (laughs) 
You can follow Wendy Zuckerman and subscribe to her show on Twitter at Science Versus. That's Science VS. Thank you so much to her family for submitting voice memos and special thanks to Gimlet Media for introducing us. The Women is a production of iHeartRadio and myself, Rose Reed. Holly Fry is our executive producer. This episode was mixed by Adrian Lilly. Special thanks to Joseph Lavelle Wilson and Gail Reed. On our next episode, I nerd out with director of the Library of Congress, Dr. Carla Hayden. They are usually the places that are sanctuaries, that are non-judgmental. This is where you go for help. And if you like this episode, tell a friend about it. It really helps our show grow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.